Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. Don't you remember those days? Right after the light shined in your hearts, you endured a great marathon season of suffering hardships, yet you stood your what? Ground. Right? One time this morning when we were singing, I said, put your stake in the ground. Like we're speaking this over us. Put your stake in the ground. Even though in times I don't understand it. Even through trials. Even through suffering. I may not understand everything at this moment. But what I do know. I said that to somebody this week. After that tragedy. I can't focus on what I don't know. I focus on what I do. And then I forward that same message that I sent to them. I sent to Brent and a couple of others. Like in this midst of this. We can't stick on what we don't know, but let's focus on what we do know, right? And in that, he brings, he brings confirmation to you, okay? And so here, he says, don't you remember those days right after the light shined into your hearts? You endured a great, listen to that word. What is a marathon? It's a long one. Boy, it's long enduring like it's it's painful like for some right like it depends on how much of the marathon is but like you can you can watch those people doing those marathons and they got bloody feet and everything else by the time they're done like it is excruciating right and you endured a great marathon listen to this season meaning it is not going to last of suffering hardships yet you stood your ground and at times you were publicly and shamefully mistreating, mistreated, being persecuted for your faith. Then at other times you stood side by side with those who preached the message of hope. Standing side by side with those who preached the message of hope. Do not get lost in the other message out there. You stand faithfully with the message of hope. Even when you don't have the answers, even when you don't know everything, you stand with those that are giving the message of hope. You sympathize with those in prison. When all your belongings were confiscated, you accepted that violation with joy. Convinced that you possess a treasure growing in heaven that can never be taken from you. And where is that treasure growing? Where? Come on, in. That could never be taken from you. So don't lose your, listen to these two words, bold, courageous faith. Bold and courageous faith. Isn't that what happened to you? When the baptism of the Holy Spirit came inside of you and upon you. Isn't that what happened at the day of Pentecost, right? In Acts, at the day of Pentecost, when the, when the Holy Spirit fell upon them, they received power, right? Peter goes from coward to holy boldness, right? He goes to denying Christ to now proclaiming Christ until 3,000 are saved, right? So don't lose your bold, courageous faith for you are destined for a great reward. You need the strength of endurance to reveal the poetry of God's will. And then you receive the promise in full for soon and very soon the one who is appearing will come without delay. Dr. Simmons says that in verse 37 means this. 
Time is not relevant in the realm of the Spirit. Right? It's not relevant in the realm of the Spirit. There is no time. There is no space in the realm of the Spirit. And so he says, get in that realm. (laughs) You hear me? Get in that realm and manifest what's really in that realm versus what we're seeing in this realm. Verse 38. And he also says, my righteous ones will live from, not your faith, from my faith. It is his faith. We're going to look at a little bit of his faith today. But it is his faith. My righteous ones will live from my faith. But if fear holds them back, like there's a warning there. My soul is not content with them. What does that mean? But we are certainly not those who are held back by fear. We're not those. That's not us. Why? Because we're in Him. We're not looking at our faith. Like we don't look at situations and say, how am I going to do this? No, we look at how did He always do this and I'm in Him and He's in me. So let me do what that is He does. We are certainly not those who are held back by fear and perish. Anything of decay. We are among those who have faith and then which is His faith, and we do what? Experience true life. All of those things are talking about in the here and the now. Do you notice that? It's not talking about in the sweet by and by. It's not talking about in the past. It's talking about in the now. Right? And so, if Proverbs 24.10 says, if you faint under pressure, you're in need of courage. (laughs) Where do we get that courage from? Him. It's His courage. It's His faith. It's His boldness that we are tapping into. Like, when you died with Him, you died. When you rose with Him, Paul says, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, what? Lives in you and brings life to this mortal bodies. Meaning in the here and the now. Not in some futuristic tense after you pass on from this life to that other. Like it's never ending. Right? So, we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not for, like we receive Him, right? If you've been in our teachings with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We receive Him and accept Him. And He is in us and the Holy Spirit is in us. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being immersed into the immersion of Holy Spirit, brings courage and it brings power and it brings boldness to do what you were called to do from the very beginning. Like grace that we talk about is not just a cover all for your sin, but grace enables, it gives you power to do what you were called to do from the very beginning. Right? In Exodus 13, 17, and I'm going to use the, the screen for all these Old Testament passages. We don't have to go back and forth, Cody. But Exodus 13, 17 says this. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and do what? Return. Did He want them going back? No. He didn't want them going back into slavery. He didn't want them going back into bondage. And He says, I'm not going to lead them, which seems like the shortest route. We live in a society in a time frame, the microwave technology is called, right? Where we want it in an instant. 
If you have to wait more than five minutes at McDonald's, I'm going to tell you if you go to the one here locally, you're going to wait about an hour and 15 minutes. It's not fast food. It tastes like fast food, but it's not fast. But we live in an age where we just want to zap it and it be done. Right? In an instant. We want the shortest route. Right? Some of the struggles in this room that has happened over the last three weeks, not just this major one that we talked about this week, but just individual. You're going through something in your own personal life. And one of the things I said last week and the week before that, if you're going around that mountain over and over, it could have been an 11-day journey, but it ended up being 40 years, right? But we want to see it in an instant. God, give me the revelation. I need it right now because we've got to do this right now. And instead he's saying... Be still. Come on. That's good. Get in this place. That's good. Let me reveal it to you. Because you may not be at the spot just yet where you can see it. So let me reveal a couple other things to you real quick. And let's talk this through. Because what you're seeing is this. And you can't see beyond. I have an even bigger plan for you. You see that? So they couldn't go the shortest route. Because they would have turned back and went back into bondage. Back into slavery mentality. Back into Egypt, right? And so he didn't want them to turn back. And so he's leading them this other route so that he can begin to direct them. That he can cipher through these things in their heart. But the most thing that he wants to do is get this bondage mentality out of their minds. Right? Remember in in Mark 4... Mark 4, we've looked at this before, but remember, it's the parable of the seed. And so he goes through that, and then at the end of that, he says, now let's go over to the other side. Remember that? Let's cross over to the other side. What did they experience on the way over? What did they experience? Say it loud. Storm. A storm appeared, right? Wasn't expecting that. Been with Jesus. He showed us all these cool things. He said, we're going to the other side. We're just going to the other side. Shouldn't be any problems. Right? But in the midst of saying, let's go to the other side, what happened in the middle between point A to point B was a storm. They cried out, oh God, oh God, oh God, don't you care, don't you care, don't you care, don't you care. He rebukes them and says, where's your faith? Because he had been showing them they have authority over the situation. Not many amens. Because what do we do most of the time? We see a storm. Cry out to God. I can't do anything. Come on. Not that the power is in you, but that He is in you. Right? Don't misunderstand me. You plus nothing is not going to matter much, but you with Jesus... What can you not do? All things are possible. Amen. All things. Right? And so here he's saying, he's, he, he, he tells them, he says, we're going over to the side and there's a storm. Right? There's a what? A test. What did he just told them in Mark chapter 4? He's talking about the parable of the seed and he says, there is this one group though, the seed, it's going to be persecuted because of the word. It didn't say necessarily when we think about persecution, we think about 
these people in the Middle East and they're getting their heads cut off. That is a type of persecution also. But the enemy wants to come and steal which has been implanted into your mind the very Word of God that says this is truth and now the enemy wants to come in and to rob it from you to say, nope, this is your reality. So a situation now pops up in the, this realm and now I'm faced with Am I going to believe the invisible realm of this word that He has given me? Or am I going to believe what I'm seeing in the natural with my eyes, what I can taste, touch, feel, see? I have a choice to make. Which one am I going to choose? Right? Most of the time, what are we doing? We're choosing circumstance above the word. Which makes us continue to go around this same mountain. And Jesus is calling us to a new realm to where we can look at that mountain of doubt and cast it into the sea. He who has faith can speak to the mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and it will be. Right? So... Exodus 14, go to the next chapter. Exodus 14, verse 10 says this. As Pharaoh approached the people of Israel, looked up, and they did what? Panicked. Oh no, what were we going to do? When they saw the Egyptians overtaking them, they cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough grace for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen? While we were still in Egypt, we said, Leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, Don't be afraid. Just do what? What? Stand still. And watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. I'll get chills. The Lord Himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to what? Get what? Get moving one step in front of the other. We see that here. We saw that in the storm in Mark chapter 4. Because Jesus spoke to the storm, and what happened? And you can only release out of you what's already in you. Peace be still, because He is at perfect peace. He was not moved. He stayed still. He stayed calm. He spoke to the storm. Be still. Right? Here he's calling us the same thing. They wanted to turn back. Why? One little thing. They were scared of adversity. Now we can say that in this moment saying one little thing called being scared of adversity. But we can have some of the smallest things in this room and we're freaking out. Right? Me included. Me included. There's things that I have to get my wife to help me talk out of my mind. There's things that I call Brent about to get things talked out of my mind. There's things I call Alex about to get things talked out of my mind. Glenn, Bill, several of you guys in here are like, help me! <laughs> I need correct perspective because somewhere I agreed with a lie. 
and I'm now disturbed on the inside and I've got to get back to what Jesus has been saying all along. Right? Numbers 21.4. So they go back because of adversity. They, they want to keep going back. Numbers 21.4. We looked at this last week. Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew what? Impatient. Have you ever tried to meditate with the Lord? Be honest. Some of you probably have. And it's okay. It was a long time before I started. You know why most of the time we don't? One, we think it's a little weird in America because we haven't been taught that way, those Eastern ways. But another reason is because of this. We grow impatient. Because we live, as I said, that microwave, we want it in an instant and we won't be still. I got too much to do today. I got a lot on my plate. And if I don't get it done, there's a lot of people looking to me that if I don't get this done. And so, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. But later, most of the time, never comes. Right? So they did what? They grew impatient with the long journey. What was the purpose of the long journey again? He knew where their minds was and he didn't want them going back to bondage. Right? But they never believed. They didn't even want a personal relationship with this God. Instead, Moses, you go to him. Right? Moses, you go talk to him. Moses, you cover your face. We can't look at that glory. Right? And so they grew impatient. And they began to speak against God Himself and their leader that God called out, Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained. There is nothing to eat here and nothing to drink and we hate this horrible manna. So when adversity came, what was their go-to response? Complain. Complain, complain, and complain. Complain is the opposite of praise. That's why Paul says, think on things that are worthy of praise. Right? How often do we do that? Though? How often when we're faced... Look, they're... Like we can look back at them and say, well, how can they see it? Why can they see it? How often when we're faced with adversity or a problem in our life, not thinking about everybody else's problems right now, just you personally, how often do you immediately go to complaining? Well, it's not my fault. So and so and so and so and so and so. Depends on what the complaint's about, right? And we begin to just pointing fingers and it's this and that, and we want to complain. You complain, write this down, you remain. You complain, you're going to remain where you are. You praise, you get raised. It's that simple. 
complain. We're going to stay where we are. We begin to praise. We're going to be raised up to the level of the world we're supposed to be anyway because we're rising up into that third round where we're overlooking everything else that is beneath us, beneath the feet of Jesus, the authority that we've been given to be able to proclaim the answer to the problem. So we can't get discouraged. We can't get depressed. Deuteronomy 30, 11-14. Deuteronomy 30, Brent preached from this a few weeks ago. But it says this, This command I'm giving you today is not too difficult for you, and it is not beyond your reach. Say it with me. Not beyond your reach. Like it's yours. This command I'm giving you. It is not kept in heaven. Because what do we think about that? It's so distant. It's way, way up there, somewhere past the stars, past Venus and Mars. And I don't know exactly where it is, but they say it's way over there, right? If it's a third heaven, like it's got to be way up there, right? So we picture this faraway God, and we picture this faraway reality whenever He says, no, 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 no. No, the kingdom is in you. And he says, this command I'm giving you today is not too difficult or beyond your reach. It's not kept in heaven so distant, you must ask. Who will go up to the, to the heavens and bring it down so we can hear it and obey it? It is not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask. Who will cross the sea to bring it to us so we can hear it and obey it? So far, everything they're saying is they want somebody else, what? To do it for them. Isn't that what they did with Moses? You go talk to him. You go do it. You know what's been awesome? Brent gave that testimony of some of these miracles and things we've been seeing over the last few weeks. But you know what's really cool is to look back over the last three years and to see that a lot of you are maturing as sons and daughters to where you're not having to call on me or Brent to go pray over the sick but you're just automatically doing it at your workplace and wherever you are. Because you're discovering the Christ within. You're discovering the Christ within is the hope of glory. Right? No, this message is very close at hand. Right? Didn't Jesus, when He comes on the scene, He says the kingdom is at hand. Meaning you can... Get into it. You can be in it. Like, we can be in both realms at the same time. It is on your lips and in your heart so that you can what? So that you can what? Like, it's not hard. Like, he's saying, this is... I'm not giving you something that's way out of reach. You just need to be still. You just need to be still. As the New Testament says, those who turn within, the veil is removed. And now they see. Be still. Get in the, Jesus says, in your innermost chamber of your bedroom. Get still. And do a lot more listening and looking than you are talking. It's not too hard. It's not too hard. In fact, 
what did we begin this passage in Hebrews 10 says that it is not our faith, it's whose? Whose? His faith. So let's look at His faith. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, Jesus is baptized in chapter 3. Spirit descends upon Him like a dove and remains. Right? Skies open up. This is my beloved Son whom I'm well pleased. Immediately He leaves from this and the Holy Spirit leads Him to this place. Okay? Now, what did we just read happen in Numbers? And in Exodus 14, in both of those places, what were they doing? They were complaining and they were remaining because they were complaining. But God, it says, it says it put, He put them there in Exodus 13, 17. He said He put them there because He didn't want them to turn back, right? And so they had this wilderness-type mentality where they're just going around and around and around and around and around and around and around in circles, never learning their lesson, right? So what does Jesus do? Empowered by Holy Spirit as a man, He goes and is led into, guess where? The wilderness. Because now He's going to begin to break down these thoughts of stronghold that we have in our mindset so that we can then be given the mind of Christ and the faith of Christ. Watch this. Afterward, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to experience the ordeal of testing by the accuser. And after fasting for 40 days, Jesus was extremely hungry. How many of you are hungry after four hours like me? 40 days of it. Then the tempter came to him and said, how can you possibly be the Son of God and go hungry? Like he's got a legitimate argument. Right? It's kind of legit. Like if you can bring life, you're a life-giving spirit and you can do all this, why ain't you doing it for yourself? Right? Just command these stones to be turned into loaves of bread. And he answers, the Scripture says, the Scriptures say, Bread alone will not satisfy, but true life is found in every word that constantly goes forth from God's mouth. Notice there's a few things there. The things of this world are not going to satisfy us. Right? Give me Jesus. We just sang about it. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. Like He is the sustenance for today. That manna that they complained about wasn't good for yesterday. It would rot. It wasn't good for tomorrow because they couldn't get it yet. It was only good for right now, right? Bread alone will not satisfy, but true life is found where? In every word that, listen to this, constantly goes forth. Like we want to get it all right now because we're afraid that tomorrow we might not get it. If it's constantly coming from His mouth and it is constantly bringing life and it is constantly bringing sustenance, then why would we doubt tomorrow? And what has already been given yesterday is already used up and it is gone. It is rotted out and we no longer living on that, but now we're living in the moment, in the present of the Word that is constantly coming from His mouth. Right? You think about how many words we've lived on that great-granny and great-grandpa got 
and churches are still living on that word instead of the word that was for today in 2023. Got to shake off all my religion. <laughs> Your way is better. His way is better. It's constantly going from his mouth. And then the accuser, like we read past this kind of stuff, but listen to this terminology. Transported Jesus. Like that's sci-fi. <laughs> 2,000 years ago they already had sci-fi transported Jesus to the holy city of Jerusalem and perched Him at the highest point of the temple and said to Him, If you're really God's Son, do what? Jump! And the angels will catch you, for it is written in the Scriptures. He will command His angels to protect you. They will lift you up so that you won't even bruise your foot on a rock. Once again, Jesus said to him, What did He answer him with? Scripture. Every time. You must never put the Lord your God to a test. Third time, accuser lifted. So we probably should be learning our lesson. There's an accusing voice in our mind. Right? There's something that trumps it every time. God's Word. Third time, the accuser lifted Jesus onto the very high mountain range and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all the splendor that goes with it. All of these kingdoms I will give to you, the accuser said, if only you will kneel down before me and worship me. But Jesus said, go away, Satan, for the scriptures say, kneel before the Lord your God and worship only him. And at once the accuser left him and the angel suddenly gathered around Jesus to minister to his needs. One part of that means they minister healing, physical healing to his body. Dr. Simmons' footnote says, for verse 4, it says, God had not given Jesus permission to turn stones into bread. See Deuteronomy 8.3. Jesus would not be pushed into prematurely demonstrating his power. Remember what he told his mama. It's not my time yet, right? He was content with the timing of his father. He refused to turn stones into bread to feed himself, but he multiplied bread for his hungry followers. Today he's still turning hearts of stone into living bread that will feed the nations with truth. And then in verse 6 he says, This was a temptation to capitalize on being the Son of God and to force God to protect him as he jumped. Jesus was being tested over restraining his power as the anointed one and waiting until the timing of his father and publicly releasing him to work miracles and display his power. He was not sent to throw himself down from the temple, but to throw down the temple itself and establish a new order of worship as a true relationship with God is, in, is inter, internal with every believer now becoming the temple of God. Well, that's powerful right there. And then, about this whole thing, Dr. Simmons says, Moses and Elijah both fasted 40 days. The number 40 usually signifies passing a test or enduring a time of trial. It rained for 40 days in the time of Noah. Jonah warned Nineveh for 40 days. God told his ego to lay on his right side for 40 days. So it's very significant. It's about 40 days. And God, Jesus himself, is coming now to all of that test to say, I will take the test for you. Right? It's like the kid who sits down to take the test. It's like, oh, I don't know all this. What am I going to do? 
And it's not Jesus coming sitting with him and he said, All right, well, let's just go through each question and I'll just help you with it. No, it's Jesus coming and saying, Get up, son. And he's sitting down and he does the test for him and turns it in and aces it. That's what it's like. So he does this for us so that now we can have his faith. Right? We can operate out of his faith. We can operate out of his mind. No longer the Adam mindset, but Christ's mindset. Right? Joshua 1-2. So, remember, all these things are happening. They don't get to go into the promised land because they didn't believe. And then in Joshua chapter 1, they're going to go into the promised land, right? That whole generation dies out. We've got a new generation of believers. And in in verse uh, verse 1 and verse 2, he says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' sister. And this is what he said. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, I want you to pay attention to this word. What is it? Arise. Say it with me. Arise. He says, this is what I want you to do. Now, therefore, arise. Go over to this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. It is very cool, this word arise, that happens here because it means a spiritual awakening. This term arise here means spiritual awakening. They had a form of godliness denying its power, which we're told and warned about in the New Testament, right? They had this form of godliness, but they wanted Moses to go do all of it, and then and it just goes hairy, right? And so here he's saying, arise like a new generation. A spiritual awakening is happening. You're going to be able to see things that you haven't ever seen before. I'm going to give you a word. I'm going to give you a dream. I'm going to give you a vision. And it's not even going to make sense to you in the natural. But whenever you follow my command and do what I'm asking you to do, the plan is going to work. It's a spiritual awakening. We have this same spiritual awakening happening in us with the Holy Spirit of God who connects us now with Christ, puts us in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all in one and folds us into Christ to where we are one being. Right? So that we have this spiritual awakening that we can now go into the promised land. Isaiah Isaiah 51, verse 17. These are the prophecies that are fulfilled in this. Isaiah 51, verse 17 says, You got 51, 17 at all? Nope. All right, I'll get Brent's bow. All right, 51 verse 17. This, was, this is a prophecy for us. Awake, awake, rise up, Jerusalem. You have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of His wrath. You have drained to its dregs the goblet that makes people stagger. Among all the children she bore, there was none to guide her. Among all the children she reared, there was none to take her by the hand. These double calamities have come upon you. Who can comfort you? Ruin, destruction, famine, sword. Who can console you? Your children have fainted. They lie at every street corner. They are filled with the wrath of the Lord, with the rebuke of your God. Therefore, hear this. You afflicted one, made drunk, but not with wine. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Your God who defends His people. See, I have taken out of your hand. I have taken out of your hand. What did He just say when they were drinking? 
They were drinking wrath. Because they wanted it. Remember what they said in, in whenever they were around that mountain? Give us that law. We can do it. We'll show you. Didn't they? They said, give it to us. We'll drink it up. And he said, let me get that cup out of your hand finally. You've been drinking that wrong cup a long time. What the law of the Sovereign Lord says. Who defends His people. I have taken out of your hand the cup that made you stagger from that cup, the goblet of my wrath. You will never drink again. It was their choice. It's what they wanted. It's what they asked for. But He says there is a time coming. Isaiah is prophesying to our day. That you're never going to drink from that cup ever again. Look at the next next chapter over. Chapter 52. Verse 1. Awake, awake, Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor. Jerusalem, the holy city, the uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again. Shake off your dust. Rise up. Sit in throne, Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains on your neck. Daughter Zion, now a captive. Shake it off. Arise. What? Spiritual awakening. Coming into what He says about you. Coming into what He really feels about you. Like, you drinking the wrong cup. Let me take that out your hand. You had enough of that. And now let me show you what I'm saying about you. Come to your senses, so to speak. And awake from where? Within what I've been trying to show you all along. And now that you become awakened, you can clothe yourself with what? Jesus says, His righteousness. Paul says, He became sin who knew no sin so that you might become the righteousness of God. Chapter 60, same, like this is all through Isaiah, still prophesying. Chapter 60, verse 1, Arise, shine for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Romans 13. Romans 13 verse 11. To live like this is all the more urgent for time is running out and you know it is a strategic hour in human history. It is time for us to wake up. For our full salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. See how it's steadily coming, right? It's more and more. It's that seed form in you now being matured into true sons and daughters of God. It is a time to wake up for our full salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Night's darkness is dissolving away as a new day of destiny dawns. You see, it's just transitioning. (laughs) You see that? It's transitioning. So we must once and for all, doesn't it sound just like Isaiah? Arise, put on these new clothes, right? So we must once and for all strip away what is done in the shadows of darkness, removing it like filthy clothes. And once for all, we clothe ourselves with the radiance of light as our weapon. We must live honorably surrounded by the light of this new day. Not in the darkness of drunkenness, debauchery, not in promiscuity, sensuality, not being argumentative or jealous of others. Instead, this is what you do. 
fully immerse yourselves. Think about that. Get in that place where you can fully immerse yourselves into the Lord Jesus, the anointed one. And don't waste even a moment's thought on your former identity to awaken its selfish desires. If I'm focusing on my old nature, I'll still be awakening those old natures. But instead, get in that secret place. Begin to dwell on who He says you are. What He says about you. Begin to meditate on those things. And what you behold, you will become. Ephesians 5, verse 14. Ephesians 5, verse 14. Actually, it's verse 13. Whatever the revelation light exposes, it will also correct. Right? Things that we thought we knew, things that we thought we knew about God, things that we even claimed we thought we knew about God. He begins to change and He begins to meet us where we are and He begins to change our mindset. That is metanoia. That is what true repentance really is. And He begins to change the mindset in us. And so He says, whatever that revelation I exposes, it's also going to correct. So as we become awakened to the truth and awakened to this light that He has given us, it's going to expose those things about Him, right? And that what He started doing in Isaiah is like, you thought this was yours. You've been drinking from it from a long time so much so it's become your life and you're walking around in a stupor with it. But I'm taking it out your hand and I don't want you drinking from that anymore. I want you drinking from realizing that you are the righteousness of God. I want you realizing that you are in me and I am in you. I want you to notice these things so let me take this cup from you. Right? What did he do right before the crucifixion? And he took that cup. Well, that's, I didn't even think about that. I just said it. Well, that's good. He did what? He took that cup. It says he took that cup of wrath. Drank it fully. That's good. And then he reveals who he really is. He reveals who He really is. So it also corrects. And everything that reveals truth is light to the soul. Your mind, your will, your emotions, that place that we get bogged down in our mindset, right? It's all of a sudden now I'm going to be renewed and metanoia. This is why the Scripture says this. Same thing. The spiritual awakening. Arise you sleeper, rise up from your coffin and the anointed one will shine his light, listen to this word, into you. Into you. A new spiritual awakening coming from the inside out, not the get everything cleaned up on the outside and hopefully the inside will work out mentality. But it's from the inside out. Let's go to this last part and let's tie this in to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Very familiar passage. We've been coming here as we always for a while went and started in Hebrews chapter 5 and would finish out with these verses in Hebrews chapter 6. But in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 it says, Now is the time for us to progress beyond the basic message of Christ. Like progress, like continue to grow and advance into perfection. 
The foundation has already been laid for us to build upon, turning away from what kind of works? Dead works. Dead works is anything that you think you're going to prove yourself on. To embrace faith in God. Remember, it's His faith. Teaching about different baptism, impartation, laying of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So with God's enablement, I mean, He's going to help us do this because He's going to give us His mind. He's going to give us His faith. He's going to help us get through this so we don't do it on our own. We, we will move on to what? Deeper truths. It is impossible to restore an apostate for once a person has come into God's light and tasted the gifts of the heavenly realm and have received the Holy Spirit and feasted on the good word of God and has entered into the power of the age that is breaking in. See that transition happening again? That is breaking in. This power of this age is breaking in. If he abandons his faith, there is no use even trying to lead him to repentance. By their sin of apostasy, they re-crucify the Son of God and have publicly repudiated... Holy cow. We'll get it out in a minute. Repudiated Him. For men's hearts are just like the soul that drinks up the showers which often fall upon it. Some soul... This sounds just like Mark chapter 4, remember? Some getting a 30-fold, 60-fold, some getting a 100-fold. But if the field continues to produce only thorns and thistles, a curse hangs over it and it will be burned. Even though we speak like this, beloved, we are fully convinced that there are more beautiful and excellent things which flow from our salvation. Like it's way more than just getting your ticket punched. Like there's something that should be flowing out of you. Rivers of living water should be flowing out of you. For God the faithful one is not unfair. How can he forget the beautiful work you have done for him? He remembers the love you demonstrate as you continually serve his beloved ones for the glory of his name. Listen to this. But we long to see you passionately advance, meaning going from glory to glory to glory to glory until the end and you find your hope fulfilled. So don't allow your hearts to grow dull or lose your enthusiasm, but follow the example of those who fully receive what God has promised because of their strong faith and patient endurance. Like we don't give up. When we see these things and these struggles, we do not revert back. We are not victims and we should not have a victim mentality, but we are victors and we should have the victor mentality that looks at a situation and says, God's got the resources, God's got the plan, let me get in this secret place and let me see what He says. So as Dez begins to play, that's what we're going to do for a minute. Some of these things are a little hard when we have a big room full of people and children. But I'd like to give these things to you so that you can go back to the podcast and you can listen and you begin to do these things on your own. Like, this shouldn't be the only time that you do some things like this where you just sit here and meditate. I'm just giving you a little taste of it so that you'll grow on your own in it. Okay? So let's just close our eyes. And again, just like I said before, just take a deep breath in. As the Jewish people always believed, as you breathe in, you're breathing in Yahweh. 
breathe Him in. And we just begin to release everything out of us that is not of Him. All our thoughts, all our things about our reality here in this realm or in this world, we just leave it behind. That one who turns within, the veil is removed. So we just begin to just be still. And we just turn our focus towards Him. One of the things I like to do when I was first learning how to do this, is I really didn't know what I was doing. Still don't know sometimes. But one of the things that helped me was as I would take that deep breath and just begin to release those things that don't need to be there, I would begin to just tell Jesus what I thought about Him. Just turning my affections towards Him. Just telling Him He's good. The things that I know. Like I'm not coming to Him with my major problem right now. Like I'm not entering in with a problem and a complaint. You understand that? I enter his courts with thanksgiving in my heart. You see what I'm saying? So I'm not going to the place with complaints. I'm not taking my complaint. I'm going into the courtroom with thanksgiving in my heart. The courts of God. And I just begin to tell him all the things that I admire about him. All the things that I know about him that are true, that are worthy. I begin to think on those things and I begin to tell it those things. God, you're so good. And I begin to do that until my mind quits thinking about this room. And that might take a while sometimes. But I just begin to still focus on Him and tell Him who He is until I forget everything that's around me. Until I forget everything that's bothered me. And as I'm doing that, as my heart just starts getting still, my mind begins to get still. And then this is what I like to say God, what are you saying? What are you doing? Still not going to him with a complaint. I'm still not even going to him with a problem yet. Because here's one thing that the enemy does sometimes. Just like a great magician with a slip of the hand. He likes to get you focused on something over here when God was talking about something else that would be the entry point for your success. I'm not going to him, my problem. I'm saying, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? God speaks to us in all different ways in this room. Sometimes he'll reveal pictures to you. Sometimes he'll reveal almost like you're watching a movie. Sometimes you might just see a word. Sometimes you might just hear that still small voice and hear that word on the inside. But you better believe he's speaking. Yeah. So I just begin to think, and if I don't hear anything, I just start going back to where I started. I start thinking, God, I thank you that we're one. 
I thank you that I can hear your voice. I thank you for giving me ears and eyes of understanding so I can hear you and know you and experience you. I thank you that you're here with me right now. I just start reminding myself of those truths, speaking those things out. And then I'll pause again and wait again and I'll say, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? Remember that passage today? That he came impatient? You might have been five seconds away from seeing the most magnificent scene you've ever seen. But because of impatience, you missed out. Again, it's hard in this room to do it corporately. A lot of things going on. A lot of you mamas have demands on you right now, and that's okay. Don't get frustrated. Go back, pull up the podcast. You can get along with God. Start walking through it alone. And sometimes I need clarity, so I'm like, God, I feel like you're saying this. Is that what you're saying? And I'll wait to hear, yes or no. I do this a lot with my children. Just a couple of weeks ago, Ezra said, I'm hearing yes and no. I said, well, let's explore that. Let's see what the yes part is about. Let's see what the no part is about. And if you're having a hard time, you're older, Maybe you just need to do this with a kid. They'll help you out. But Jesus says, come to me like a little child. If you don't come like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom. The kingdom's within. you got to have a childlike faith. you got to believe. Children have a great imagination. It's us who have grown up and been taught not to use our imagination. I told you the word he gave me a couple weeks ago was I'm restoring the imagination. You just be still. Explore that. So when you get a confirmation, yes, or no. It's okay, what you want me to do? There's something I need to do. And sometimes he says, I don't need you to do anything, I just need you to be still. Remember the word he gave me a few months ago when I was having all those struggles? The only word he gave me was make no agreements with the enemy. Everything else he just said, be still. Let's just keep moving forward together. The only thing I'm asking you to do is don't make any agreements with the enemy. You know, I feel, I'm talking about, I feel on top of the world right now compared to what I felt like then. And I just had one of the most busiest, stressful weeks in the world as a principal who started back to school with 430 kids and their parents and and teachers and everybody else with me. Late nights, early mornings, all this week. See that process of that time of that season that trial. If it wasn't for the word of the Lord, the daily manna to live on, no 
know what he does with that now? Now he builds from that with me. He builds a foundation. So now that word is just constantly living in me of, I'm not going to make an agreement. And I remember the next trial that comes, I'm not making an agreement. That's why whenever that trial hit this week and I had a lot of people asking me questions about it, I said, I know one thing, we're not going to make an agreement with the enemy about it. I may not know a lot of things about this situation, but I do know that. Step by step, glory by glory, it just continues to build you up on your most holy way. Praying in the Spirit. And then it just gradually... Receive the word from the Lord. I thank Him for that word. And I just slowly come back to this reality so that I can bring what I just experienced in heaven. I bring heaven to earth. So let's just stand.
just picture that. But guess what? You get to rejoice with them as well. Dance. Receive His goodness. Receive His joy. And let that joy be your strength. For it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. It's His joy that is our strength. It's His faith. It's His mind. Thank you guys for coming. Love you guys.